What's up, Doc? Shh, there's a wabbit down there, and I'm trying to catch him. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to another wild and wacky episode of the BCD. Ooh. Normally really stoic and serious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're three old cartoons learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy. And I'm Adam. Hey. And I wish I had a soundboard of cartoon sounds. Yes. Just like all these little, <laughs> it'd be so much fun. Uh, like a morning radio show or oh something. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's like time to wake up. <laughs> the concept of sound in film shook up audiences and critics everywhere in the late 1920s. The first attempts at the elusive talking picture were filled with malfunctions that seemed to steer audiences and critics away from the idea. But once studios discovered how to synchronize sound with images, talkies took off. Oh, man, they Some, were the yep. talk of the town. <laughs> Some people thought they were just a fad. Yeah. Wow, yep. that's interesting. They really did. Some people did, yeah. They yep. thought it was a fad. Yeah. Yep. Is it Singing in the Rain where uh, yeah. they are like, oh, yeah, no, talkies aren't going to be a thing. We yeah. don't have to worry about this. And then the like the first talk, yes. big talkie, and they're like, oh, my God, we got to make talkies now. <laughs> right? I mean, yes. I, wonder, I wonder if the ones that weren't quite synced up were just like difficult to watch or I wonder if they were like oh, unsettling yeah. or like, yeah probably. You know, like, I think it just it, it wasn't as good as watching yeah. just like a regular yeah. old yeah. yeah it wasn't long before Walt Disney introduced the first Mickey Mouse cartoon with synchronized sound busting open the door for other animation to do the same in 1929 Disney began producing musical short films called silly symphonies Soon after, other studios created their own versions of the musical cartoons. One of the most notable competitors was Warner Brothers, who named their rival cartoons Merry Melodies and, of course, Looney Tunes. This week, we're taking a look at the history of one of the oldest properties under the Warner Brothers brand. This wacky gang of characters have become synonymous with cartoons, and fans have watched them evolve over the course of 90-plus years. So come join us as we uncover the history of the Looney Tunes. Oh, Yay! my goodness. Mm. It's it, it's so funny. Every time I remember that it was just called Looney Tunes, yeah. as in like a musical thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Mary Melodies or... or Things like that. So, yeah. But now the term Looney Tunes is specific to like this group of characters. <laughs> yep, yep, they yep, yep. are the Looney, Looney Tunes. Tunes. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, it's so funny because a lot of people spell it T O O N S. Yeah. 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 Because they think cartoons. Yeah. They're yeah. crazy cartoons, Looney, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> but really it's because they're supposed to be tunes like music. music. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's something that it has kind of fallen to the wayside because. At this point, if you don't watch the original cartoons and you just see the characters in whatever movie or whatever they're in, yeah, yeah, it's not, the, yeah. the music's not a big part of it. <laughs> right, the, nope. the characters have kind of moved beyond yes. that. But now, like the new quote unquote new Looney Tunes show, mm -hmm. just it, you know, it doesn't yeah. provide music at all. All right. Well, before we start talking about the animation, let's talk a little bit about the history of the Warner Brothers. Yay! Yay. <laughs> oh. They turn a hundred this year. The what? studio, oh, sure. Warner Brothers Yay. Studio. Yeah, it opened that in young, April huh? of no. yeah nineteen twenty three. So. At the end of the 19th century, the Warner, originally Wanskelazer family, 
immigrated to the United States. There were 12 children, four of which would one day create the third oldest film studio in Hollywood. Yeah. Goodness gracious, 12 is too many. (laughs) (laughs) The brothers, Harry, Albert, Sam, and Jack, became obsessed with moving pictures. The story goes that their father sold his watch and his horse to get the money his sons needed to break into the film business. Wow. After acquiring a kinetoscope projector, the Warner Brothers opened their first theater in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Their sister played the organ while Jack, the youngest of the four brothers, chased moviegoers out of their seats once the film had ended. It wasn't long before the brothers turned to film distribution and formed the Duquesne Film Exchange in the early 20th century. Eventually, they moved their headquarters to California and began producing their own films. In April 1923, they officially established Warner Brothers Pictures Incorporated. Hey. Wow. All right. Wow. That's funny that he would chase people out of their theater. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Like, Get, go on. It's over. Especially in the early days when movies weren't very long, too. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. if you sat in your seat and no one chased you out, you could just watch the next one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sam Warner pushed for the studio to start incorporating sound into their films, something that was quite literally unheard of at the time. In 1925, he convinced his brothers to purchase Western Electric's synchronized sound system. With it, they formed the Vitaphone Company and were now able to start experimenting with the concept of talking pictures. In 1927, Warner Brothers released what is now considered to be the first talking picture, The Jazz Singer. It wasn't long before other studios caught up and were able to make their own talking pictures as well. Soon, talkies became the standard for film, and cinema was never the same. And, you know, to think about this, he, in 1925, was like, buy the stuff, we're doing it, we're making these movies, Mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of a huge leap of faith because a lot of people were like... I don't really care. I don't really want my picture to talk. I'm cool with it being. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so the idea that they were going to move to sound really was kind of weird to them. They didn't yeah. like, it, it sounds crazy now, mm-hmm. but it's like, you kind of get it, you yeah. know? Yeah. They had a system and it mm-hmm. worked and that's what they wanted to do. Right. You know, I always find it interesting that the term talkies mm-hmm. has not stuck even a little bit, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> yeah. we, but we still say movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just as another word for film. Film, yeah. Dude, that's so funny. That's rather true. Than, rather than saying, let's go see a film, it's like, let's yeah. go see a movie. Let's go watch a movie. Yes. But they've been talkies <laughs> since 1927. Yeah. So yeah. It's First like, they were movies, and now they're talkies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, I get it. Yeah. But the term talkies just didn't stick. I guess it's because all of them move, right? Uh, right. And at the time, true. only some of them talked. Right. That's so a they good point. maybe that it was like the yeah. distinction was dropped mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was like no one needed to make the distinction. Yeah, anymore. that's a good point. So let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about. Yes, yeah, come on. on, the Looney Tunes. <laughs> yes. Looney Tunes. In order to explain how Warner Brothers Animation Department got started, we have to talk about Walt Disney again. Yeah. It's true. You just yeah. have to talk about he just him. Comes up. Every- yeah. Every time. <laughs> Back before Mickey Mouse, Disney and his partner, Ub Iwerks, created the character Oswald the Lucky Rabbit after producer Charles Mintz was unhappy with the cost of their live-action animation hybrid shorts. 
After making a deal with Universal, Mint saw the potential for the character. He left to create his own animation studio and took Oswald with him. Former Disney animators Hugh Harmon and Rudolph Ising were in charge of the animation department until Universal pulled the plug on their version of Oswald and gave the property to Walter Lance. Luckily, Warner Brothers had decided that they wanted their own animation studio, and they hired Harmon and Ising along with Isadora Frizz Freeling to lead the team. Other former Disney animators joined them, like Carmen Max Maxwell, Norm Blackburn, Paul Smith, and Roland Ham Hamilton. Nice. So it's actually really funny. <laughs> Because yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Every time we get like a pretty good animation studio yeah. mm-hmm. yep. to rival Disney, mm-hmm. it always happens when Disney's about to go bankrupt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's a fucking like exodus from Disney, yep. and it, it has happened like yep. five times. Yep. I mean, yep. it hasn't happened five times, but it really but feels like, like it's happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of like one of the, those things. The reason why it feels like so much is because those people who do leave always end up doing something significant yeah. yes. against Disney. Yeah. Yes. You know, Don Bluth mm-hmm. rivaling the animation mm-hmm. of Disney and really yeah. take really calling into question the quality of Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um Katzenberg starting <laughs> DreamWorks, Dream. which is yeah. still yeah. like num- the number two animation studio. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. They always do something big, yeah. Which is why it feels like it <laughs> happens a lot all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they brought with them some of the techniques that they had used in Disney's cartoons, and Warner Brothers would soon be able to synchronize sound with their animation just as seamlessly as Disney. So these people are leaving, and they are taking yeah. their secrets with them. A major studio with its own animation division was groundbreaking. Warner Brothers' animation department was located in a building called Termite Terrace. It was the birthplace of the Looney Tunes. All right. It was this kind of clapboard building, and they had a bad bug infestation problem. So it was called Termite Terrace. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) As long as it didn't eat the artwork, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Before releasing Steamboat Willie, Disney turned to musician Carl Stalling to write the music for the short. After its success, Stalling gave Disney the idea to create animated shorts to music a series of films that would be called Silly Symphonies. Stalling wrote the music for the early symphonies before starting a career with Warner Brothers. With his musical genius, Warner Brothers would be able to create a series of short films to rival Disney's Silly Symphonies. Ah, yes. Yes. (laughs) Carl Stalling is the most famous American composer that no one has ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yep. Legitimately, I know. I mean, I mean, people do know well, like, he is, but not yeah. really. Not enough. Yeah. You've heard his music. You've oh, heard yeah, sure. it many, For many, certain. many times. So he really was a big part of why Looney Tunes could exist and why it rivaled Silly Symphonies because yeah. mm-hmm. it was his idea. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you think of the Looney Tunes, there are probably specific characters that come to mind, such as Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, and more. The very first ones you may not even know. After the clear success of Steamboat Willie as a sound cartoon, Harmon and Ising concocted a character too, in a sense, rival Mickey Mouse. His name was Bosco. Does that name ring a bell mm. to anyone listening? Mm. <laughs> Didn't when I was researching. Yeah. <laughs> if you see the picture, if you see him, yeah. I showed him to some people mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. and everybody said, I do recognize that character. Yeah, yeah couldn't yeah. tell you a thing about it, yeah. but I've seen it. Yeah. 
Harmon and Ising created their first Bosco short, Bosco the Talk Inc. Kid, after losing the Oswald job at Universal. They planned to get a studio to approve a cartoon series around the character, but Paramount and Universal turned them down. They had contracts with other cartoons and did not want more, what they called filler. That's all cartoons were then. <laughs> I mean, I not to be negative, but have you seen cartoons from this time? That's true. That's a good point. That's a good, you know? Yeah. They, they were pretty, mm -hmm. pretty repetitive. Yeah, uh, pretty basic. Yeah. While other prominent cartoon characters at the time were starting to take off, Bosco never really saw the same success, and for good reason. He was a racist caricature of a black child. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Also, even if it, let's say it had at the time saw some success, mm -hmm. now? Absolutely not. Be gone. Yeah. Gone. One of Bosco's frequent animators, Jack Zander, wrote to author Christopher Lehman and said, there was, in fact, a joke about who or what Bosco was. We had a cleaning man or handyman or whatever who used to hang around the studio, and he asked me one day, you got Mickey the Mouse and Felix the Cat, but Bosco the what? I couldn't answer. No one admitted openly that he was a little black boy, but it was true. I mean, it's crazy because even your audience doesn't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. and, and if you can't say it, the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. yeah. Just, obviously, it's not Obviously, it's not good. okay. Yeah. Xander went on to explain that the animators made Bosco look as much like Mickey as possible. They were instructed to copy Mickey's movements, but Disney hardly noticed or cared. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I did notice watching some of those old mm -hmm. yeah. things. It's, it looked yeah. like old Disney. It, Disney did not care that people copied him. Yeah. He did not mm -hmm. care that he was losing animators and yeah. that they were going to different studios. Mm -hmm. and the other, He didn't care because he was only focused on the future yeah. yep. and more innovation mm -hmm. and changing the next thing and exactly. doing the next thing. Yeah, so because of that, he actually didn't care that people were, were copying Because he's like, well, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. I'm pushing it. And yeah. to be honest, you can see that mentality yeah. like work mm -hmm. even now. I'm not saying yeah. Disney is the ones doing it, but like you can see the people who are actually pushing mediums yeah. get the success mm -hmm. a lot. And then you see these other ones coming by riding the mm -hmm. coattails of that and just mm -hmm. being kind of like, well, yeah. what are you doing? After Paramount and Universal passed on Bosco, producer Leon Schlesinger from Pacific Art and Title expressed interest. Schlesinger had worked with Harmon and Icene before and was happy to promote them to Warner Brothers. Schlesinger won over Warner Brothers by pitching the idea that they could use this cartoon series as a way to promote popular songs from their films and publishing companies. Schlesinger would be producer and Warner Brothers would be the distributor. It's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, when you make a good pitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Warner Brothers approved one season, and Harmon and Icing created the name Looney Tunes, an obvious rewording of Disney's Silly Symphonies. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> While Looney Tunes featured original music, Merry Melodies promoted the popular songs from the Warner Brothers catalog. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so they were separate. You yeah. had Merry Melodies being, these are the songs from the movies and the distribution companies and the things that they owe <laughs> yeah. rights to, and then 
Looney Tunes was. Holy, it's thing. holy yeah. crap, dude. It's finally clicked because, <laughs> yeah. like, even on the same VHS tape, I would yeah. watch some of these and they, you know, they do the thing at the beginning where they, it like writes out in cursive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would say Looney Tunes <laughs> and other times it would say Mary Melodies. Mary Melodies. Now, it, didn't, yeah. it never That's... even clicked that it, like, meant something different yeah it was yeah. a different thing wow <laughs> dude i was today years old <laughs> oh, there you no. go he's learning something in the process Yay. or whatever wow yeah <laughs> like we say in our intro yeah seriously <laughs> there you go Wow, you heard it happen, guys. Yeah, right that's here. what it sounds like every time someone listens to our show. Yeah, they go, "Oh my gosh, I never knew that before." Well, my life has changed it's forever. Yeah, all twenty people. Yeah. Now, I mean, now they all every, say that. Yeah. I'll tell everybody else Come on, this. Forty. Yeah, there's. <laughs> Man, like going forward, now if I watch all those again, now yeah. it's gonna mean something. Yeah, I'll be able to hear the difference. The difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The very first Looney Tune was released in May of 1930 and was called Sinking in the Bathtub and starred Bosco. Bosco would end all of his cartoons by saying, that's all, folks. In 1933, <laughs> Harmon and Ising had disagreements with Schlesinger over budget and decided to take their copyrighted Bosco to MGM. They had learned from Walt Disney's mistake and made sure to own the rights to the character, effectively erasing Bosco from the Looney Tunes. Good riddance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a big loss. Although Bosco was gone, this was not the end of the Looney Tunes' use of insensitive racial stereotypes. But Bosco's departure opened the door for Looney Tunes' most classic characters. Yeah. We we don't want to pretend that everything was perfect yeah. after Bosco was gone. Right, right. Because obviously not. Mm-hmm. No. But at least Bosco was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, step in the right yeah. direction. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Schlesinger brought on Jack King and Tom Palmer, more former Disney talent, to direct the animation. Bob Clampett and Frizz Freeling stayed on and created the character Buddy, a young boy with no particular uniqueness about him. (laughs) That wasn't like the official tagline or anything. That's just something they said. (laughs) That sounds super marketable. (laughs) He's the most boring character in the world. Called Buddy. Buddy. (laughs) With the most generic name possible. Buddy the boring boy. Dude, can't wait to get all that sweet, sweet search engine optimization. (laughs) Buddy lasted only two years and was not missed after he expired. What? <laughs> yeah. Can't be. During this time, Chuck Jones was promoted to the position of animator for Buddy. Jones said that he was truly not prepared at that time, but that luckily he could not make Buddy any worse than he already was. Oh. <laughs> he was quite a boring character. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what a way to start. What a way yes. to like get your foot in the door, dude. Ah, uh, Chuck Jones. Dude, t- uh, talk yeah. about awesome. like, like you know, tripping at the start line. They did it yeah. twice, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Took yeah. him a second to get this right. Yeah. yeah. And it's you know it's okay because what we ended up with you know, third time's the charm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But he was important though because he was their animation test dummy. The new artists were learning the techniques needed to build even better characters later on. And they would. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Lots finally. of the ones that you re- actually remember. Yes, the ones you actually remember. They're coming. They're coming. Yes, yes. We're getting there. <laughs> Turns out there's a lot of buildup. <laughs> Chuck Jones is one of the most famous animators of the Looney Tunes. 
In his book, Chuck he describes two golden ages in animation history. One, which we have discussed before, was Disney's. The second, he says, is Warner Brothers. That started with the short A Wild Hare in 1940 and lasted until 1963. I think it's really funny because he was animating at that time. Yeah. So he's yeah. like, so he's that's like, yeah. the golden age. The second golden age. <laughs> when I was yeah. there. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting is he said that if they had been called, if it had been called the golden age back then, he's like, a lot of people there would not have liked that. Mm-hmm. They, they were like, he mm-hmm. was like, people mm-hmm. would not have liked to have been have yeah. it be called the golden it's, age. They would have been like, ugh, no. It's, a, it's a, also a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah if you're like too. currently in a golden yeah, age, yeah. like, And also oh, it's no. like, is this as good as it gets? <laughs> that too, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Jones wrote of working at Warner Brothers, quote, as was once pointed out, money cannot buy poverty and money cannot buy laughter either. At least at Warner Bros. cartoons, no effort was exerted to do so. We were grotesquely underpaid but we were being paid to associate every day with people we loved and respected. People who were eager, excited, and joyfully willing to try almost anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There was a lot of talk about how Warner Brothers was very different in their approach with animation in the in their humor. Like, it's it was very oh, different yeah. from Disney. Yeah. They had their own humor yes. <laughs> and that was very distinct from Disney. So it was like, yeah. you, you would come to war- see yeah. Warner Brothers and it's like, oh my gosh. Dude, yeah. I think, I think. Looney characters. Yeah. <laughs> and and there, are, there are moments that you can pick out that mm-hmm. are like, there's, that's yes. Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. right? And I think one of the classic ones is because it's now referenced in so many other cartoons. Yeah. But I think Looney Tunes really made it a thing where they would be running mm-hmm. and they'd go off a cliff. Yes. And they <laughs> yep. would stay in the air yep. until they looked down. Yes. Right? That is classic cartoon, but that is so Looney Tunes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. really, yeah, they poked fun at the idea mm-hmm. of cartoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like yep. the rules of a cartoon yes. universe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, another one just pops in my head. They'd be like, they'd be in a tree mm-hmm. or I guess on the edge of a cliff again or something like that. Yeah. And like the person on the tree okay. is chasing the person at the end of the branch and they uh-huh. would saw the branch <laughs> yeah. to get them to fall. But yeah. then the whole tree would fall and the branch would stay floating <laughs> in the air. <laughs> like, yes. this, you know, oh none of it, gosh. it doesn't follow any kind any. of classic rules. And yeah. I love it. That is cartoon yeah. essence there. Yeah. I mean, so much of it. I love the Roadrunner and Coyote, and yeah, yeah. you know when when he yep. would paint stuff on the wall. Oh yeah, he, he would paint like a tunnel, thinking yeah. that oh the Roadrunner is going to run into it, mm-hmm. and then he just runs and it becomes a tunnel when the road runs right through it. <laughs> just go. He just created a new yeah. tunnel. And then, yeah, and then the Coyote tries to follow him through and smacks him into the wall. Right smacks right into the wall. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So classic. Oh, Oh my gosh. Well, how do they get all these amazing cartoons? Well, there's lots of steps to making a classic cartoon. So we're going to kind of go to a quick little... It's going to be a really fast one. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more to it. A lot goes into it. Yes. But this this is very basic steps that they would follow. Before television, the Looney Tunes were made only for a theatrical release. The studio hoped that the shorts would have a four or five year life expectancy. Thankfully, they lasted and would later be released on TV as the Bugs Bunny or Roadrunner shows and more. Looney Tunes have been on TV <laughs> yeah. for 
forever. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I just yes. as, as far as I can remember, <laughs> Looney Tunes have been on TV. Yeah, yeah. and some of my favorite mm-hmm. things to watch. Which a lot of them got colorized. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ones. Before 1940, I believe, were all colorized. So some of the original lines and stuff are unfortunately kind of lost. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the quality went down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I have seen a couple of black and white ones, Mm -hmm. though. Like one I remember because I had a VHS that I think was all Daffy Duck stuff. Oh, nice. If I remember correctly. Yeah. His wife had to go somewhere and it was his turn to sit on the egg. Because uh, <laughs> in this, because in this world, Daffy's married, yeah. and there's an egg to sit on, yeah. and so he does it, but he's bored as hell, right? Yep. He doesn't want to do it, so he's just messing around with it, and he does a magic trick to make it like, whoa, disappear, right? <laughs> and then he's like, Alakazam, he tries to bring it back, and it just doesn't. <laughs> he can't get it to come back. So there's this whole thing, right? It goes crazy, and she ends up getting home and like suing him and all these. Oh things. my god! Right? This is all black and white. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he does it one more time, and Alakazam, and the egg comes back finally, and it's like, everything's oh. fine. <laughs> But what but. the heck kind of Daffy Duck cartoon is this? <laughs> right? So it's so yeah. strange that yeah. that time. But it but that one stayed in black and white, at least in the copy that Very I had. Nice. Yeah. Each classic cartoon started with an idea. The story man would take the premise of the cartoon and draw it in panels to submit to the director. The director, if they liked it, would then help the story man revise it. Once the story sketches were done, a story meeting would happen. This is where everyone, and I mean all the directors and animators, would come together and have what is called a yes session. In this session, nobody could say no. The point was to toss out good ideas to make it better. That seems interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like a really positive work environment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so this is really interesting. It's kind of like improv where, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you get an idea and you're like, okay, how do we work with that idea? And then someone's like, yeah, but what about this idea? And it's like, okay, forget about that dumb idea. Let's do this idea. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Let's have him smack into a drawn Yeah, let's see what you get. I mean, it sounds like utter chaos, but at least it sounds like everyone was listened to. Yeah. Right. Everyone had a chance to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which is like kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sketches and story went through several departments for layout, background, animation, ink, and paint. Voices were recorded next. The animators were able to use the timed soundtrack from the exposure sheet to manage the number of drawings per scene. In each second of the film, there were about 12 to 24 pencil animation drawings. Yay, classic number there. 24 frames. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You can tell that the voice acting was not important yet at this time because it is done last. (laughs) Yep. It's done first. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting. When I saw that, I was like, oh, they did voices last. (laughs) Yeah. because it was... Yeah, what's up, Doc? Doc? You know, yeah, and, exactly. they, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Mostly music. <laughs> yeah. Though, actually, one thing again that kind of is very Looney Tunes versus any other animation style. Yeah. This is kind of like a meme in its own right now. It's like they call it the Looney Tunes yell. You guys heard about this? It's like, it's whenever one of the actors, usually the voice of Bugs Bunny, I'm blanking on his name. Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. Yeah. Wow, I said you blanked on blanks name. (laughs) Yeah, whenever he would need to like 
yell. Or Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny was getting mad. He go, yeah. quiet, you yeah. know. <laughs> and he, he, but for real, he would just like scream it out oh in gosh. real life. <laughs> and it, it's so like visceral yeah it just sounds like a guy yelling it's not even in character anymore that kind of thing and 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 it's such a meme people people will post about that it's very funny that is so looney tunes too also this is like the golden age of figuring out sound effects because sound equipment was so heavy and bulky Mm -hmm. and they just learned how to Mm -hmm. make it and they could not take it out of the studio so this is when they learned to basically engineer sounds yes and we still do that now i love it it's one of my favorite things (laughs) it's really cool how we engineer sounds still and this is like this is the beginning of that because it's like well we need we need the sound of footsteps yeah you know but it's gonna actually sound like footsteps and but like we can't put a microphone to the floor and record our feet because it's gonna sound like you know, yeah, like it's yeah. not the it's not, not gonna sound right. Clear. The outside yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have to figure out how that will sound. How can you isolate mm-hmm. that yes. sound? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the cool like we said the wallet. Yes. Is the thing that they oh, use. Yeah. For the squeaky shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yeah. the, the big sheet of metal for thunder. Oh, yes. yes. That is so cool. Love it. Yes. So, so good. The Looney Tunes would be nothing without their most iconic characters, which started appearing in the mid to late 1930s, nearly 10 years after the Looney Tunes first started. Good yeah. goodness. Took a, took a yeah, little while. A <laughs> like, let's okay. get to it already. <laughs> let's talk about just a few of these characters. We will not talk about all of them. Yeah. We're sorry. Yeah, we're, uh, we are so sorry if we don't mention your favorites. We're just going to mention can't. a couple, and they're not even like our favorites. Like, we're not, just going to yeah. <laughs> Some of the ones that started it all, really, <laughs> yeah. that really got it going. Yes. Some of the, yeah. maybe, maybe sometime in the future, we could do like a top, like our Ooh. top oh, five yeah. or something like that. Yeah. that Looney Tune characters, cool. yes. Have you ever wondered why Porky Pig is the one to declare, that's all, folks, at the end of each cartoon? It's because he was the first Looney Tune to gain the hearts of the nation. He became so popular that he even had his own comics. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I never read them, but I've seen these. Oh, I've seen drawings snap. and stuff, and it's like, wow. Yeah. Porky yeah. Pig of all people. Yes. Yeah, so you don't think of Porky Pig cutie. being the most famous Looney Tune. No. Yeah. But after we got rid of Bosco and Buddy, mm-hmm. Porky was actually the first one yeah. of like the ones that we know now. The new mm-hmm. wave. That was popular. Yeah. 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 He first appeared amongst a handful of school-age animals in Frizz Feelings, I Haven't Got a Hat, in 1935. Wow. In 1937, Warner Brothers used the song, The Merry-Go-Round Broke Down, to introduce another one of Porky's shorts. The song was written by Cliff Friend and Dave Franklin, and it had appeared in Merry Melodies as part of the Warner Brothers collection of music. After this, the song became known as the Looney Tunes theme song, playing over the title card for every short. What? Cool? Yes, this was an, a real song. I didn't know. <laughs> yes, it's a real song called The Merry-Go-Round Broke Down. Oh. Learning it so much. It came out in 1937. <laughs> it's about a guy who went on a date with a girl. Mm-hmm. Oh. And while they were on their date, the merry-go-round broke down. Oh. And so they had a chance to get to know each other because oh. the ride wasn't working. And wow. that's what that's what the song is about. Yes. And so <laughs> it is much more. It's you know it's way yeah. way slower than the <laughs> right. but 
They used it in Merry Melodies mm-hmm. because that's what Merry Melodies were for. Yeah. And then they just popped it at the front of a Porky Pig cartoon mm-hmm. and it was like... Wow, perfect. perfect. That's it. Yeah. Dude. That's Looney Tunes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Porky's design changed over the years, including his age. But one thing to stay the same was his stutter. His original voice actor was Joe Doherty, who actually did have a stutter. Since this was the case, it usually took hours to record his parts. Eventually, they replaced him with actor Mal Blanc to cut down on recording time and save money. Which yeah. feels so mean. It does. That is so. I don't love yeah, that. No. I because mm-hmm. he has the stutter, so the character had the stutter. Stutter. Yeah. And then they're like, "Well, we like the stutter. We're gonna keep the stutter, stutter. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna for get the rid character. Of you. But yeah, we're gonna yeah. recast you and have someone imitate your stutter." Warner Brothers had continued with ending their cartoons by having the lead character say, "That's all, folks." Porky expanded on this by breaking through a drum to then say the line. Yes, classic. Yes. It's part of what makes a Looney Tune. <laughs> yes. You know? I mean, it's got to end now with that. Exactly. Much, it's not yeah. a Looney Tune without yeah, it. Without it breaking through. Though he was eclipsed by our next two characters, Porky Pig has remained the last face that viewers see at the end of every Looney Tune short. Before there was Space Jam or Looney Tunes back in action, Frizz Freeling directed an adorable live action and animation short in 1940, where Daffy Duck is trying to push Porky out as the star of the studio. <laughs> wow. Yep. Fun fact, often when dubbed in other countries, Porky does not have a stutter. Yeah. I interesting. That was very interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. The next biggest character to appear was Daffy Duck in the short called Porky's Duck Hunt from 1937. I do remember this one. Oh, yeah. nice. Very cool. I've seen this one. Yes. There's... Watching Porky in this mm-hmm. position, knowing that Elmer Fudd exists. Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, too. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. Daffy, from the beginning, has been a wild duck, and we mean that in character. <laughs> His manic behavior always gave the audience something to talk about, which is yeah. true. Yeah. He yes. used to be like absolutely wacky. <laughs> yeah, crazy. he was. They said when kids and people would come out of the theaters, they would just be talking about that wild, crazy Daffy Duck. Yeah, yeah. Aww. <laughs> it's me again. <laughs> when paired together, Porky was often the straight man to Daffy's ridiculous antics. Daffy has always been characterized as having a major self-ego with Envy and greed. Yeah, that that <laughs> yes. one has stuck around. Yeah, it's actually interesting, like the comparison between him and Donald. Yeah, like, yeah. How in, mm-hmm. you know? He has had many alter egos. Some examples are Cluck <laughs> <laughs> Trent and Stupor Duck, Detective Duck Drake, <laughs> Doorlock Holmes, Friar <laughs> Duck. Duck Twacy <laughs> and Sc- Scarlet Pumpernickel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Some wild ones there. You remember Duck Dodgers? Duck Dodgers. That's another good one. <laughs> Mel Blanc also voiced Daffy Duck. When Looney Tunes first debuted, the concept of voice actors was entirely new. Voice actors hardly received credit for their work and would often be underpaid. We mentioned this also in our episode on June Foray, 
the woman that voiced many Looney Tune characters alongside Mel Blanc. Yes, mm-hmm. she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She voiced a lot of characters and didn't get a lot of credit for no. the yeah. voice work that she did. Yeah. That's why I think we mentioned it in the episode. A lot of people yeah. will say, oh, June Foray's the female Mel Blanc. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, no. Uh, Mel yes. Blanc is the male June Foray. June Foray. Yes. Mm-hmm. Blanc was a little bit of an exception to this rule. Due to his contract, he was not only credited for his parts, he also voiced almost every major Looney Tunes character for several years. Yeah. As time went on, the popularity of Porky Pig gave way for the biggest star in the Looney Tunes universe. Who's that? Yeah, man, I can't even think. (laughs) Well, it's Bugs Bunny. (laughs) In our Space Jam episode, we talked about a time when Bugs Bunny was the biggest character cartoon in the world. He was the second animated character to earn a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and was voted to be America's second favorite character, real or imaginary, in 1976. He lost to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yep>. Wow. <laughs> second real only imaginary. Yeah, second I, only to Abraham Lincoln. I like how Abraham Lincoln's just a character now. Yeah. yeah. Real or <laughs> Not that he was a real life president. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Bugs started appearing in films in the late 1930s, but it wasn't until 1940, in a film called A Wild Hare, did the world meet Bugs Bunny in his full form. Although the idea of a rabbit character originally came from animator Ben Bugs Hardaway, Frizz Freeling, Chuck Jones, and Tex Avery are credited with giving Bugs his wise-ass personality. (laughs) Nice. Oh. Yep. The final touch for Bugs was Mel Blanc's voice that gave him his trademark street-smart attitude. When animator Ben Bugs Hardaway showed Blanc the new drawing, Bugs reportedly said, A tough little stinker, isn't he? Which suddenly gave Blanc the idea of a Brooklyn accent. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's so funny how it just clicks, (laughs) man, for this character. Bam. (laughs) Amazing. Bugs Bunny used many tactics to evade those that hunted or pursued him. One such maneuver was to dress in drag. This was set in a similar fashion as the vaudeville comedies or silent movie characters of the 20s. Drag has been around for a long, 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 long long time. (laughs) It's been around for a very long time. And in Looney Tunes, when he dressed in drag, he not Mm -hmm. only fooled the other characters, he yeah. would get them to fall in love with him. Yeah, yeah. it was like, like a step further. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. like bought it. Yeah, you know? yes. They were into him. They yeah. were in. Yeah. Yes. One of the classic ones, you see uh, Bugs dressed in like a Valkyrie setup, you know what yes. I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, yeah. I believe so. He, oh, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. I think I He's do. got I the golden armor. Right? Yes, yep. lipstick. Yep. And- yep. yep. <laughs> Sitting kind of like sideways, like laying yeah. sideways on this like really overweight horse. <laughs> talking about the character Elmer Fudd was later introduced as an antagonist for Bugs. Fudd is a human hunter, and his name was originally Egghead. Wow! Yeah, yeah. He was actually in that that first one that we talked about with Daffy Duck. Mm. He was in Egghead was in that one. And there's a piece in it where there's an audience member. It kind of breaks the fourth wall. There's an audience member that keeps getting up and walking <laughs> around. Oh. And, and you can see the their shadow. And Egghead gets so upset and, you know, mm-hmm. everything with this guy that he ends up shooting <laughs> the audience oh. member. <laughs> 
Unhinged. Wow. So, oh my yeah, goodness. That's the kind of wild that's, stuff Egghead did. <laughs> that's that is wild. Oh my goodness gracious. Yep. That's crazy. There you go. What I wonder if it'd be funny if his middle name was Egghead. Uh, so it could be E. E. Fudd. Another famous duo from the Looney Tunes is oh. Wild E. Coyote and Roadrunner. Oh, oh yay! Top tier, man. Yes. <laughs> so good. Big fan of these guys. <laughs> Both characters never utter a word, except for an occasional beep-beep. Meep-meep. Chuck Jones and Michael Maltese would always put 11 blackout gags in each Roadrunner cartoon. In the short Soup or Sonic, Coyote actually does catch the runner. He was reduced in size, though, and is holding on to Runner's gigantic legs. He then holds up a sign that says... Okay, wise guys, you always want me to catch him. Now what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he does just like hold up signs. Yes, he does. Talk to like the audience. Yeah, help or. And he has at (laughs) one point apparently he has like a business card that says Wild E Coyote, Uh which is the first time that really it showed his name. How to spell it? Yeah. Yeah. And in the bottom left hand corner, it just says genius. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. It's so funny because he always kind of like put up that front, you know? Yeah. He always seemed to be that genius. That genius. Because he would get all these Acme contraptions to try to catch Roadrunner. And there's these really complicated machines a lot of times, but they would just always backfire. (laughs) Yes. So good. And you could always tell when they were going to move against the backdrop because they were animated. Animated, yep. (laughs) No outside force was allowed to harm Wild E. Coyote. His shortfalls would always be his own ineptitude, like gravity, and the Acme products. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that yeah. it was always just him, like, his problem. Yes. Yeah. He's always in his own way. Yeah. Like, that's yep. always what it is. Yeah, the Roadrunner never does anything <laughs> no. to mess him up. He's just running by, yep. and he just, Coyote just messes up. He just can't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. One shortfall is that he always wants to catch the runner smartly. He has highly elaborate and high concept traps set. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it's like, it could be so simple. It's so yeah. simple. It could be so simple, but mm-hmm. it's like, it, I love it. I love the convoluted contraptions, the Acme stuff. Yes. The signs. Oh, he's yep. hilarious. It's so I good. He's so funny. A lot of times the episode will start with him just chasing the Roadrunner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to get you real close. And then the Roadrunner just goes, you know, sticks his tongue out at him and just, <laughs> Yeah, he goes even yeah. faster. He's just gone. And one of my favorite things they do is they'll show him running away down the road. And yeah. the road's kind of, kind of going over these up hills. And down, yeah. And he's so fast that the road kind of pulls up behind him like a, <laughs> like a ribbon. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's so fast over it. Yeah. It's just like that wave follows yeah. him. And then the coyote just like slows down and just like jaw drop. Like, <laughs> like well, now I got to resort yeah. to these contraptions. It's so good. Chuck Jones in his book, Chuck Redux. Says, I know. I love his book titles. Chuckamuck, Chuck Redux. Oh, so perfect. Anyway, he says the Roadrunner's immortal beep beep was an accidental find, inspired by the sound Paul Julian made as he blindly tried to clear a route for himself along a termite terrace corridor. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, one of their guys that work with him. Yep. Wow. It seemed unimaginable to ask anybody but Paul to record the sound, so we invited him into the studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me, me. 
However, due to Mel Blanc's contract, Paul Julian was uncredited as the Roadrunner. Son of a gun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we thank Paul Julian for yeah, his Yes, thank you for that. Yes, thank you. Because that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts about Looney Tunes yeah. before we wrap this up? I, I absolutely love Looney Tunes, and I will watch them yes. anytime. Yeah. I think... I think they've been in a spot where they're like, they feel like they're in the same kind of predicament as the Muppets right now, yeah. where they're not, yeah. re- they don't really have a foothold anymore, mm-hmm. yeah. and they can't quite get it done. Mm-hmm. Even though I do hear a lot of good things about the new Looney Tunes show, I don't mm-hmm. think it's still on, but like the the new one that was on Cartoon Network for a while, yeah. where they were like in a, I don't know, like a sitcom type. Show Daffy and Bugs yeah. lived in the same house and all this. You know, it was an ongoing thing. But the classic shorts, mm-hmm. I will love forever mm-hmm. and ever because they have such unique yet classic humor. Mm-hmm. A lot of, especially with Coyote and Rodner, a lot of physical humor. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love it. I can't yeah. get enough of it, man. I remember watching all this stuff when I was a kid. It just very, very much affected me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> watching all of these cartoons and, mm-hmm. you know, I love the physical comedy yes. and how funny I thought all of that was. And mm-hmm. it's crazy because when I talk about the Looney Tunes, I've talked about them a little bit for the past few weeks. And mm-hmm. every time someone is always like, Oh my god, I love the Looney Tunes. <laughs> this is my favorite character yeah. and it's always mm-hmm. some super obscure. Yeah. Nobody ever says the same character no. twice. Yeah. yeah. So, there's so many. There's cuz you you yeah. wouldn't think that I mean, I know that everybody knows there's a lot of Looney Tunes, yeah. but mm-hmm. just looking at it it was like, "Oh my gosh, there are there's so, so many." Many. Yeah. So yeah. many. And yes, yeah, so, like there is like Yosemite Sam. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. Marvin the Martian mm-hmm. and Granny. 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 Yes. I I also love how these characters are so well done Mm -hmm. on their own that each one of them, because it happens, Mm -hmm. each one of them can have their own Mm -hmm. episodes, their own Mm -hmm. cartoons, right? This is a Bugs cartoon. This is a Sylvester and Tweety cartoon. This is a, you know, Daffy Duck cartoon or Mm -hmm. Porky Pig. But- you can mix and match any of them, mm-hmm, and they yeah. are still great, right? <laughs> so because <good. laughs> some of the best ones, yeah, are when like Daffy and Bugs are together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yep. that's Daffy why and Bugs. they're yes. they're they were not set up as a yeah. duo, right? No. Like Coyote and yeah. Roadrunner, or Sylvester and Tweety, right? But they work as one really mm-hmm. well, like mm-hmm. the classic Duck Season, Rabbit, rabbit Season, season. Yes. Duck Season, Rabbit Season, Rabbit Season, rabbit season. Duck Season. Wabbit season, wabbit season, duck season, fire! Great, yeah, yes. I love how how cleanly they can interact like that. Yes. That's why yeah. I, that's that's yes. another reason why I think Space mm-hmm. Jam works so well. Yeah, yeah. not just yeah. because of Michael Jordan and the mm-hmm. whole thing, but like just because you can put all of the Looney Tunes together in one thing, and it yep. still it yeah. still works. Mm-hmm. I do so remember tw- there. 
Tweety was big back when we were kids. I remember yes. Tweety was on everything. Yeah, another yeah. There were character, folders yeah. that had Tweety on them. They were pink folders with Tweety. My sister had Tweety sheets. Everything. Yeah, yeah, Tweety sheets, Tweety rugs, Tweety pencil cases, Tweety yeah. bobblehead. Everything. Because the, it was great because I think Tweety is a good example of this mm-hmm. where a character can be cute and tough at the same yes. time. Yes. Because, you know, you just draw Tweety like, ooh, cute. <laughs> and, it's, and he's so cute. But then you but just he cross your arms and, and like yeah. give him a face. It's like yeah. boom, tough tweety. It's <laughs> tough like, tweety. It tough doesn't, tweety. you know, it doesn't but matter. Still <laughs> fits both roles. Cute tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cute tough. But like, yeah, but I, I but get just what you're tough enough though. to where yeah. it's like, you know, he's the boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Looney Tunes is one of the longest lasting properties in Hollywood. Its history teaches us a lot about the animation of the 20th century. It has gone through many changes, and even though it doesn't appear to be as popular today as it was several decades ago, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The collection of characters is so expansive, it's difficult to find someone who doesn't have one that brought them joy over the years. And as these Looney Tunes change to be more accessible to modern audiences, they will still find ways to stay relevant. So even after all this time, that's not all, folks. And that is another case closed. Yay! There we go. There it is. First time. First time. First try. try. Don't believe what they tell you. They're just haters. Haters. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you to all our patrons, John, JD, Anthony, Shelley. Bob, Jaren, and Jacob, we love you guys. Love you. We hope you enjoy the extended version of this episode. Yes. yes. And thank you all to who support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Yes. 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 And uh, yeah. The website yeah. is a thing. BlackieSeries.com. All yes. of our episodes are on there. All of yeah. our briefcases are on there. Our show notes are there. If yeah. you want to learn more about June Foray, obviously we have an episode on her. Yes. You can go ahead and check that out check on our website too. Yep. We got a Space Jam episode. Sure you can do. check that out. Yeah. You could just search Looney Tunes in the search bar and it'll yeah. bring up every episode yes. related to it. And Perfect. maybe in the future we'll do a Looney Tunes back in action episode. <laughs> oh. You know, I've never seen that one, guys. That'll be fun. I saw that at the Dollar Theater. On Labor Day yeah. with my mother, we sat in the front oh, row because oh the theater was packed. Oh, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. They, they, they need another back in action, don't they? Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> so sure they yes. come back. But anyways. Well, see you later. Bye. 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 That's all, folks. That's all, folks.